Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. That means we truly depend on you in order to bring this resource to you. If you don't already support us financially, you could do so. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons there. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Click on one of them and fill that out. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, January 17th, 2019. Strong delusions on tap. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro, and I am your servant in Jesus Christ. And this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to understand God's Word so that you're not deceived. Yeah, that's right. Help you to compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is no shortage of really bizarre, crazy things being said out there. And we take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular... Forget, it's not even most popular. It's what what everyone's saying now. (laughs) What the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles, and apostolates, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine, that's teaching, That's put forward for consumption by the average evangelical, far from biblical, far from what God's Word says. And uh, the person who gets lost in the mix, it's Jesus. Yeah, and and I really do mean that. The person who gets lost in the mix is Jesus. And and so today's episode, yeah, hope you're sitting down. Uh, We're going to be doing an Amanda Wells update and a Katie Sousa update in our number one. Each of them will be a little bit longer uh, than we normally would dedicate to somebody who's obviously as bizarrely insane as each of them are. That being said, um, you got to consider this fact, and that is, is that these people are speaking to audiences that are either large or global. Uh, they they have been given credibility by very large name people like Patricia King, uh, like Catherine Runala. You know, I, I think of Amanda Wells. She was, <clears throat> how shall we say it correctly, kindly, uh, she was basically stepped down 
uh, as uh, as the, the uh, <clears throat> resident prophetess out there at Glory City uh, Church. And uh, C- Catherine Rinala, you know, was uh, confident that she was, uh, you know, that she was repenting for her plagiarism and the other nonsense that she was guilty of. And uh, and so Amanda has uh, reemerged, uh, you know, in her own online webinar. <clears throat> yeah, venue. And so she's giving online webinars, you know, and in this particular segment we're going to be listening to where she's going to talk about being a wonder, being a wonder. And we're going to note this. If you believe her and her outlandish stories, you don't really need Jesus. Je- Jesus is just the facilitator so that you can find your supernatural powers, so that you can be a, a superhero, you know, of, of that kind of stripe, the kind of thing. And the emphasis isn't on Christ. It's not about the pro- proclamation of repentance, true contrition and sorrow for uh, sinning against God. There, there's not even a hint at this idea that, uh, that you are in danger of the fires of hell. That um, that God is calling you to repent and to be forgiven, to believe and trust in Christ for forgiveness of sins and eternal life. There, there's no concept of that at all in a- any of these messages that we're hearing. And uh, same with Katie Sousa. Katie Sousa, uh, she the the name of the video we'll be listening to her is like, "Are you dwelling amongst the tombs?" Which is just utterly bizarre. But the the subtitle of the segment that we're going to be listening to can can be titled. Are you a, a, a legion slayer? Because you know Katie Sousa is, you know she's she's a she, she's a legion slayer. Yeah, right. And uh, <clears throat> so yeah, there's there's some problems here, and uh, in, in the emphasis and the, the emphasis in so much of evangelicalism, especially the charismatic movement, is on you. It ain't on Jesus. It ain't what he's done for you. It's not about uh, good works and love towards neighbor or anything like that. No, it's about you you've discovering your dream density and going out and conquering the world and, and experiencing your purpose and all, all this kind of gobbledygook is what it basically turns into. And none of this has anything to do with what the Scripture says. And so that's what we're going to be doing in hour number one. Hour number two, we're going to be heading to Stairway Church as we listen to Gary Morgan uh, proclaim 2019 to be a year of movements. <laughs> so here we are on the 17th of January, and I assure you, I've, I've already had some movements, and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, without them, I would be needing to see a physician, but... <laughs> Yeah, that's what I think about his message already. So anyway, that's what we're going to be doing on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. we got a lot of ground we need to be covering. And since we're going to begin with an Amanda Wells, technically she falls under the category of the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate. So uh, let's do this. an English fair, one evening I was there, when I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts, there they are standing in a row, big one, small one, some as big as your head, give them a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the showman said, 
I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Every ball you throw will make me rich. There stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roly bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Singing roly bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Singing roly bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Roly bowl a ball, roly bowl a ball, singing roly bowl a ball a penny a pitch. That's right. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. So we're uh, heading over to uh, Amanda Wells's new internet digs as she's uh, launched into webinar ministry, and she's going to be talking about what it means to be a wonder and how you know we as as Christians we we've sold out. We've lost an important part of Christianity, and uh, and and you know she's going to literally invoke um, mystics. Of a particular stripe. Yeah, this is just bonkers what we're going to be listening to. Hope you're sitting down. Here we go. Here's Amanda Wells on being a wonder. As you were talking, I I was remembering um, those wonderful mystics of old. And just before I go on about the wonders, and and the Lord said, tell a couple of testimonies. And Judith, I want you to tell your testimony. The Lord told her to tell a couple of testimonies. Mystics of old. You know, historically, uh, when we talk about mystics within the visible church, and I'm using a very broad term here, normally we're talking about Roman Catholic monastic mystics. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, the mysticism hasn't been a main thread within uh, the Protestant movement until recently. But Money about um, hiking in the never-nevers in Himalayas. But, you know, the, the mystics of old were so ecstatic in their love for Jesus. Uh, Joseph Cupertino, he would dance. They, they, he would just dance for four or five hours in the air. And the- jo- Joseph, she called him Cupertino. Um, it's uh, Joseph Cupertino. Uh, Rome has canonized him and he's a saint um let, let's do a little infomercial shall we uh, from the roman catholic church uh, everything you ever needed to know about joseph of cupertino yeah here we go St. Joseph of Cupertino was an Italian conventual Franciscan friar born in 1603 as Giuseppe Maria Dessa in the village of Cupertino. As a child, Joseph began to have ecstatic visions. He was thought to be a slow learner. Have you noticed that, um, despite the fact that he apparently was a slow learner, that, uh, that all of the paintings seem to depict him in one way or another floating off the ground. Absent-minded and frequently wandered aimlessly with his mouth gaping open. Drawn to religion, he applied to the conventual Franciscan friars in 1620, but was rejected due to his lack of education. He then applied and was accepted in the Capuchin friars in Martino as a lay brother. Eight months later, they sent him away because his ex- You know, it makes you wonder, was that TV show, The Flying Nun, <clears throat> somehow inspired by the legend of Joseph of, how'd she say it, Cupertino? 
disease made him unfit for his duties. Joseph began to grow in humility and gentleness. He prayed more and did voluntary acts of penance. He entered the Franciscan order to study for the priesthood. He first became a deacon, then on March 28, 1628, an ordained priest. There he is flying again. Hmm. After this, the Holy Spirit began to work many amazing miracles through St. Joseph. The life of the saint was marked by ecstasies and levitations. The mere mention of God or a spiritual matter was enough to put him into ecstasy. You know, he'd be no good at, like, a Roman Catholic Mass, you know, because God is invoked and spoken about, you know, like, throughout the whole thing. I mean... They consider maybe putting weights on his feet or something. Over 70 times, people say they saw him rise from the ground while offering Mass or praying. Once, as Christmas carols were being sung, he soared to the high altar and knelt in the air in ecstatic prayer. Okay, so, yeah. I did, <clears throat> call me skeptical, but I don't put a lot of stock in uh, Roman Catholic mystics and Roman Catholicism as a whole. So uh, here, you know, <clears throat> Amanda Wells is uh, invoking Roman Catholic mystics. Let's continue. And the thing is, we've lost that because if someone started to levitate and dance in the air, uh, we would say that, oh, that was new age. But Yeah, I'm going to have to back that up. I'm going to have to back that up. And the reason why I have to back that up is because after invoking Joseph Cupatino, <clears throat> she then goes on to say that we as a, as a church have lost, lost this levitation thing as if somehow levitation has been like, you know, part and parcel of Christianity, you know, since its inception. No, it hasn't. But uh, let me back this up just a little bit just because. Hiking in the never-nevers in Himalayas. Yeah. But, you know, the, the mystics of old were so ecstatic in their love yeah. for Jesus. Uh, Joseph Cupertino, he would dance. They, they, he would just dance for four or five hours in the air. And the thing is, we've lost that because it's... We've lost that. It was so common, you know. Someone started to levitate and dance in the air. Uh, we would say that, oh, that was new age. But <laughs> yeah, you know, it's those pesky traditionalists in the in Christianity that are keeping people from dancing in the air and levitating and stuff. They because you know you you do that at church. People say you need to cut that off. You need to, you just got to stop that. That's some new age stuff right there. Get your feet back on the ground, mister. You know, <laughs> Stop acting like Shirley MacLaine. <laughs> this is nuts. There, was, there were others. There was, a, I think it was Mary of Agrida, where she would just, every time she thought of Jesus, she would just start. Mary of Agrida, yet another Roman Catholic monastic mystic, um, Franciscan abbess, spiritual writer and stuff. And apparently um, her her body hasn't uh, decomposed, although um, I have it on good authority from exposés done on uh, issues like this 
that uh, Rome seems to have uh, a fascination with putting wax masks over particular saints to make it look like they haven't decomposed. That's not really her skin right there. But anyway, so it's fascinating to me that Amanda Wells is invoking these Roman Catholic mystics. To ascend. Why did Jesus show us ascension? Because we could do it too. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> no. That's not how that works. So, according to Amanda Wells, the reason why Jesus ascended into heaven is so that he, he, once he got up there, he said, Okay, your turn. Come on. You can do it. Come on. Just think light thoughts. You know, or, you know, think of a wonderful thought. Any happy little thought. Think of Christmas. Think of snow. Think of sleigh bells. Off you go. Turns Jesus into Peter Pan, man. And uh, they had to sit on her so that she could preach. They, they said some of them would turn into fiery darts as they, uh, just as they prayed. They would open their hearts up years later and uh, some of their tombs were opened up and, and they hadn't changed. They still had flesh and hair. Their hearts were like a burning furnace hundreds of years later. This is what I'm believing for. I don't know about you, but I am hungry for these wonders. And so how do I get this? You're not hungry for Jesus. You just just want wonders. Yeah, got it. I'm going to the place where we are seated. I've got to live out of an encounter with heaven and it will change the... How do you... How does one live out of an encounter with heaven and where in scripture are we told to do that way that we dream and the way that we function for me i read every single book on revival when i first got born again every book i wanted i didn't want to just be Catherine kuhlman i wanted to be all of them and i remember uh, the the biggest thing was i want to translate and so lord i want to and so i used to imagine i was sitting on his on the throne because that's where i was she imagines she was sitting on jesus's throne there's nothing wrong with that Spiritually, that's where I was. And I would, I would imagine I would ascend and go up and live from that place. And so I, that's why I have such a, oh, I love the fact that we are in him. And then one day I was in a prayer meeting and suddenly I disappeared and um, they all thought I'd left the prayer meeting. And, and so I was actually in Nova Scotia. I, I was next to a man, he was about to commit suicide, I threw the gun over, I led him to the Lord, asked him where he was, he said Nova Scotia. And I came back and I had to, uh, and they said. Yeah, sure, yeah. Can you provide us just you know, any kind of substantial, true, you know, like evidence that we could use to validate this story of, you know, you being translated from Australia. To Nova Scotia. You know, there's a big time zone difference thing going on. What time was the prayer meeting and what time of the day did you uh, arrive in Nova Scotia? I'm, I'm curious. And I'm like, oh, how do I tell them this? I said, well, where is Nova Scotia? And uh, years later, 
about four years la- four years ago, I got a letter from a man who'd seen something on the Elijah list who said, I don't know whether you remember me. I were, You led me to the Lord um, in a car in Nova Scotia years ago. This is the life we should be leading. What was his name? I mean, have you guys thought about, you know, maybe having a reunion, you know, inviting the media, you know, stuff, stuff like that. So this is the life we should be. Why aren't you translating? How dare you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ? If you're not translating to Nova Scotia or some other place around the planet, maybe China, you'll pick a very dangerous country. This this would revolutionize, you know, missionary activity across the globe. You know, we could we could create a like Super SEAL Team Six, as far as like missionary work is, we don't even need parachutes. You don't need a, you know, you don't need some kind of a plane to, you know, insert them into the battle zone. No, they can just, you just insert themselves. You know, I'm gonna go share Christi- Christianity and Jesus in in Saudi Arabia, and, and there I am. You know, and you and you see, I, I'm here to tell you all about Jesus, and they're all Allah. You know, and and then all of a sudden, you know, that can disappear again. You know, that's a, oh man, that'd be really handy as far as you know, totally changing missionary work around them. Why aren't you striving to do this, huh? We've lost all of this great mystical stuff. I mean, and, and, and could you imagine adding translating to floating and stuff? Oh man, so it's like, oh, you you people can't kill me. I'm gonna fly away. Yeah, this is bonkers. And we've got to understand that we are in Him. We are praying in the Spirit. Yeah. And so there's a big difference about asking God to do something, healing, etc. Yeah. And you and I doing it because we are in Him. And Jesus said, you heal the sick, you cast out demons because you're in him. And you and I are praying for many things that we really should be engaging. Oh, God, I want to see an angel. Just I talk to them every day. I just. Really? You, you, you talk to angels every day. Do they talk back to you? I, I'm curious. I mean, is this a dialogue kind of thing going on? Like I said, um, not mentally sound here. Um, these, the, <laughs> I hate to say this, this sounds like schizophrenic delusions kind of stuff here. Them, I wake up and say hello to the angels that are around me because I'm a wonder and I'm living. The reason why she wakes up and talks to the angels all around her, you know, you know, is because she's a wonder. Wouldn't you like to be a wonder too? Hmm? Just like Amanda. Isn't she amazing? Talk about vain glorious here. Uh-huh. In that place. Praying in the name of Jesus is not a formula. It's it's standing in a position. Stand in his name where mm. the fullness of God dwells. Yeah. And then you are standing right in the center of wonderful. Can you imagine? I'm st- I, I, I'd love to stand in the center of wonderful. It's been a while, you know, since I've stood in the center of wonderful. Standing in the middle of wonderful. Of course I can translate. I'm already practicing walking through walls. I, I keep hitting my nose, but I will do it. Because- 
You see, the reason why Jesus just appeared in the upper room while the doors and windows were locked was to show you that you can do it too. So she's practicing walking. She hasn't succeeded yet. And, uh, you know, she's probably going to need a good plastic surgeon before this is all done. I don't think she'll be able to afford one after all the mental health bills. But, yeah, so, <laughs> folks, this has nothing to do with Christianity at all. And you'll note, I pointed out that this is vainglorious babblings on her part. And the reason why is because, you know, who's she talking about? Herself. What does she desire? Power. She desires to have Jesus' power and to wield it, to sit on his throne, and for everybody to say, Amanda, you're a wonder. When in reality, the message of the gospel is that, Amanda, you're a sinner, and you need to repent. The problem is, is that you, you make it all about you and your sinfulness, and you've sided with the devil. I mean, this is just bizarre. And so we're not hearing anything about biblical Christianity or what Jesus has done for us, his death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. We're not hearing the real gospel, that Christ has died for our sins and risen again on the third day, ascended into heaven, and that he's going to come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. We're hearing nothing of that. We're, we're hearing all these bizarre stories, and you sit there and you scratch your head. Is it true? Did she really translate to Nova Scotia? Oh, can I really levitate? I'd really like to do that and and all this kind of stuff. And now we're off to the races, but the race is where well, well where this race ends, the finish line is in hell. Because she's not pointing people to Jesus, she's pointing people to herself. Talk about a strong delusion. Oui. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. When we come back, full-blown, really long Katie Sousa update. Stay tuned, don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Peter, James, John, and Paul are all dead. That means there are no living apostles in the church today. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough of this sissy, frenzy, cunning, photo-written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. Mac 
Max Holiday's Birdcage Theatre presents Church Day Select. And I'm okay I scheme all night And I lie all day He's a heretic And he's okay He schemes all night And he lies all day I twist God's word I put on shows I do better on Broadway Have you seen The Lion King? It'll be here on Sunday He twists God's word He puts on shows I do better on Broadway have you seen the Lion King? It'll be here on Sunday. He's a heretic and he's okay. He schemes all night and he lies all day. Twist God's word, I take your tithe and spend it on private jets. Have you seen my bank account? It's bigger than yours, I'll bet. He twists God's word, he takes your tithe and spends it on private jets. Have you seen his bank account? It's bigger than yours, I'll bet. He's a heretic, okay. He's keeping all night and he lies God's word, I write bad books that will land you all in hell. I'll never say I'm sorry, cause I'll be there as well. He twists God's word, he writes bad books that will land us all in hell. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Hey, everyone. It's Rex here to tell you about a product that I use on a daily basis. It's Coffee by Gillespie. It's delicious. It's got the caffeine you need to be a functioning member of society, and it's, it's coffee. There's all sorts of different blends to choose from that are themed alongside the church calendar. So not only does it taste insanely good, but it's also liturgical. Somehow. All you have to do is order it online at gillespie.coffee. And it'll arrive at your door in a convenient, resealable bag filled with either whole bean or pre-ground coffee. I personally like mine as whole bean because it goes so well with milk. Now that's what I call a balanced breakfast. So head on over to gillespie.coffee and get some. 
That's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E dot coffee. Rex out! Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that walking through walls is not what we should be trying to practice or focus on. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith, this is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. Rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Joining our crew, great way to support us. If you would like to make a one-time contribution, click on the Donate button. If you'd like to become a patron via Patreon, click on the Become a Patron button. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, let's uh, reset here. Little bit more of the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate. Let's do this. Oh. Hallelujah. Get up right now. Right, Robert Tilton and Who Baba Conda. We're going to head over to Katie Seuss's YouTube and uh, and listen to a part of her message titled "Are You Dwelling Among the Tombs?" Now, before we get there, in fact, uh, let me do this. Let me pull this up and whip this out. Uh, in Matthew chapter twenty-four, Jesus talking about what it would be like uh, before his return. Um, he he talks about a, a very interesting time, which I think we're kind of in. Uh, which is the reason why it's so cuckoo banana town. It's 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 the large Twinkie. That's a big Twinkie theory that we're working with. It's kind of like from Ghostbusters, but you, you get the idea. But um, Jesus is talking about what will be the sign of his coming in the end of the age. Yeah, that's what the disciples were asking about. He said, see to it that no one leads you astray. 
many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. Now, we kind of lose sight of what this is what this is really referring to. A Christos, Christos is the Greek word that it has its synonym in Hebrew, Mashiach. And the idea here is, is that a Christos or a Mashiach is an anointed one. So Jesus says, many will come saying, I am the anointed one. I am an anointed one. And they will lead many astray. So he talks about kingdom rising against kingdoms, wars and rumors of wars. And then he talks about tribulation and the love of many growing cold and the gospel of the kingdom being proclaimed throughout the whole world. And so you, you get the idea. But then as we get down to the bottom, you know, you know tor- towards the bottom of this part of the Olivet Discourse, and verse 23, so if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, here's the Christ, um, or there he is, don't believe it, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. So here, here's our basic thought here. What would a false anointed one look like? Now, notice I didn't say false Christ. I said false anointed one. Um, you know, a false anointed one in, in their theology and in their telling of the biblical stories, those stories would be about them. They would be the hero. They would be the savior, right? Um, rather than Jesus. Now, Jesus is just your coach to teach you how to achieve greatness the way he achieved greatness. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you're the one who is um, who who's the hero. So we're going to listen to um, Katie Sousa and just utterly mangle God's word here. You, you know, when she won't touch it very much. But wow, we're going to hear a lot about her. Oh, we're going to hear a ton about Katie Sousa. Like nothing about Jesus. You kind of get the idea. But uh, here's Katie Sousa. Are you dwelling amongst the tombs? Mm -hmm. Here we go. This is Katie Sousa. Welcome to Healing Your Soul, Real Keys to the Miraculous. Last week, we talked about Legion and the demonic kings that are over him. Legion is the fiercest spirit in the New Testament. And I know because I have battled with him many, many times. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, Jesus only battled with him once. And it didn't take long either. Yeah. It was a decisive victory on the part of Jesus. So, uh, I mean, Katie Seuss is way better than Jesus because Jesus only dealt with Legion one time. She's battled Legion, like, you know, lots and lots of times. And, you know, and she hunts with a bow staff and stuff, too, you know. I've told you all about the diseases and chronic afflictions that I've had to deal with. Yeah. Everything from chronic flus and infections to chronic back and neck pain. Even All of this. Legionic. Is that the right way of putting it? legionic attacks yeah that's making words up here deadly disease of lupus Mm. many of those disorders came upon me when legion gained a legal right to torment me because i had a wound in my soul who knew i'd like to see the uh the statutes there you know that if you have a wound in your soul that you've then given legion a legal right to afflict you I'm not familiar with these texts, okay? Today we're going to talk more about Sion and Og. 
They are the demonic kings that are over the spirit of Legion. The Bible says that these kings were giants. History indicates that they were evil men that introduced all kinds of sin and rebellion into the world. They led mankind deeper into sin. They taught men how to worship idols and even operate in witchcraft and sorcery. There were demonic spirits that controlled those giants, and those spirits are still active in the world today. Their assignment is to not only to continue to lead men into sin, but to torment us with mental and physical sickness and disease. Oh, no way. Who is going to save us from these forces of darkness? When God showed me these kings in the Bible, I began to get healed of everything I had in common with them. Then step by step... So she had things in common with them, too. <laughs> That's a little frightening. Okay, but you, you, you no longer have anything in common with Sion and Og. That's great, yeah. I started having dominion over all kinds of diseases and disorders. Now, she. She has dominion over diseases and orders. Not Jesus. No, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, he, he probably does. I mean, because he's Jesus. But she, she, she like Jesus. She, she now has dominion over all kinds of diseases and stuff. Because she doesn't have anything in common with Legion or Sion or Og. Not only did I get miraculous healings for myself, but when I would pray for people that had mental disorders, flu symptoms, bacterial infections, viruses, and all kinds of sicknesses, yeah. they would get healed too. Do you, Do you have legitimate, verifiable documents that prove these claims? You know, she has dominion over this stuff. You know someone struggling with a mental disorder. Have you been back? I think I do. Wait, wait, I gotta go to that way. Just saying. Dealing with constant sickness on you or your children. Perhaps you're suffering from repeated flus, ear infections, sinus infections, bacterial disorders, and virus. I do seem to get the flu like once a year or so. Is that is that like repeated? Is that what you mean by that? Does your family seem to catch everything that's going around these days? They could. Yeah, they did. You know, when my kids were little, they brought everything back from school, you know. So. Be susceptible to sickness and disorder because they have wounds in their soul that are in common with these demonic kings. No. Soul wounds. Who knew? I mean, so destructive. Today, you're going to learn how to become excellent in soul so you can have the power to defeat the giants. Did you notice her music ran out? <laughs> she poorly timed that. Oh. So in many past programs, we've been speaking about demonic kings, demonic kings. They are the strong man that... Jesus referred to in Matthew 17. The list of the demonic kings and the powers and master spirits underneath them are in Ephesians 6.12. In the Amplified, it actually calls them despots. It says, we wrestle now with flesh and blood, but against despots. 
That word despot means tyrant kings. We are wrestling against kings, kings and their kingdoms. Tonight I'm going to discuss some specific kings and some of the assaults they bring on us. These are two of the most powerful kings in the Bible. Very, very powerful. Two of the most powerful, and they have one of the most fiercest, if not the most fiercest spirit underneath them in their kingdom. Mm, fiercest of all. What are we going to do? In past programs, I've spoken about a spirit called Legion. Legion is 6,000 strong. So you can imagine if you've got 6,000 soldiers that they have a wide variety of assignments that they're trying to put against us, eh? So he not only attacks your mind, but he attacks your physical body with disease. And like I said, that means infections, poisons, nutritional deficiencies, imbalances, toxicities, illness. I mean, Legion is attacking me with nutritional imbalances. I, I, I don't stand a chance. I mean, this, I mean, how do you find a nutritional imbalance? Caused by a wound in my soul, which gave Legion the right to afflict me in this way. Because I had that in common with him, apparently. Ailments, sicknesses, that's a lot of stuff. It's the soul that allows this spirit to come up on you. Remember the demoniac? What was it about him that allowed that spirit to completely control him? It was his soul. Now, it's very interesting. Yeah, no, no scripture passage actually explains the process by which the demoniac of the Gerasenes um, became a demoniac. Yeah, the story is not told. We don't. We don't get the prequel. Yes, we just got the story of how Jesus like stomped on Legion Man, threw him into some pigs and down a cliff, and it just that was the end of it. So, <clears throat> yeah, because Jesus is awesome. But you, you, you seem to be uh, claiming to be like on the same level as Jesus. You know. Because it says right there in the King James that 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 demoniac was dwelling among the tombs, dwelling among the tombs. Well, if you look up that word dwell right there in the Strong's, it means this. It's a metaphor for divine powers and influences that are said to dwell in the soul. All right, so now we got to do a little investigative work here. So she was in the King James. All right, so. Let's go with King James with Strong's, and we're going to go with the word dwelling. And I'm going to add into that tomb. Um, and we're going to put this to the Gospels. Doing a little research here, see if we can figure this out. So, uh, who had his dwelling among the tombs? Let me make that just a little bit bigger. So, um, Katoikasis is our Greek word, so let's take a look at it using, you know, a standard uh, lexicon here, um, BDAG. Um, Katoikasis, it is living quarters, um, and um, mm -hmm. so it's basically where you live. You're, it's your dwelling, your abode. All right, so now she said it's in... Um, Strongs. So, Katoi uh, Casis. Uh, There's our Strongs. Noun, feminine, a dwelling, an abode, a habitation. Hmm. Hmm. Now, let's uh, go back to um, Katie Sousa. Let me back this up. She claimed that uh, K 
how's it, what's the Greek word again? There we go. Katoi cases, Katoi cases, that uh, it meant something from the Strongs. We just did a little fact-checking, a little research on the fly here. Let's take a look here. That word dwell right there in the Strongs, it means this. It's a metaphor for divine powers and influences that are said to dwell in the soul. To yep, let's see, nope, um, nope, that, <laughs> that's not what Strongs says at all. In other words, I just can point this out here. Um, she be fibbing here. Mm-hmm. She, that, that this is what we call a lie. She is engaging in deception. She doesn't know Greek. And uh, so as a result of that, um, I think we can definitively dismiss her. But let's just keep watching anyway, because, I mean, when a train is wrecking, can't turn your eyes away from it while that's happening, can you? Pervade the soul, to prompt the soul, to govern the soul. I want to tell you something. You may not understand the importance of this message at this moment. No. But you're going to. Oh, I will. When you start getting your soul healed yeah. of stuff that's in common with Legion mm. and their kings, the giants, yeah. you are going to see your entire life change. Wait a second, wait a second. Did you say the giants are the kings of Legion? I knew the giants were evil. Yeah, I knew it. I, see, I'm a Dodgers fan. So, in fact, what was I thinking? That, 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 that's, that's Giants Orange behind me. <gasps> Legion is after me. Legion is after me. I gotta, hang on a second here, folks. I, I've, I've got to do something about this. We, see, uh, uh, Giants Orange is, is back behind me. And, and 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 we just learned that the giants are over legion. So let me let me let me change that to Dodger Blue. Uh, there we go. So much better. Continue. You are going to see your entire life change. My entire life, my entire ministry changed when I started getting my soul healed. Of everything in common with Legion. When I stopped dwelling among the tombs. I went- so uh, Katie. You're saying you lived in a cemetery? You were dwelling among the tombs you know. That's a little weird. From having no dominion in a meeting. No. To explosion of dominion in a meeting. Oh I'm- she had an explosion of dominion. Isn't she amazing? Isn't she great? We're, we're saved. I mean, who needs Jesus? We got Katie Sousa, man. She's got dominion over stuff and stuff. In the beginning, when I still had all these tombs, I was dwelling among the tombs, and I would go into a meeting, and Legion was everywhere. He was on. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's omnipresent. He's ubiquitous, man. Everyone. And there were, like, it was the flu season, and he brings the flu upon people. I'm oh, telling you right now. Yeah. And flu and sickness and bacteria would be sweeping through the congregation. Yeah, Legion is like the Santa Claus of disease, man. You know, he checks his list and see who's naughty and nice. And and uh, all the nice kids, they get the flu, especially if they have a wound in their soul in common with him. <laughs> He is the Santa Claus of illnesses and disease and viruses. This is nuts. And I myself would be sick as a dog up in front trying to preach a message and knowing there was nothing I could do about it. Nothing, nothing. There was nothing I could do about it. I remember 
I was prophesying over people. Yeah. One by one, people were lining up and I'm prophesying over them. And somebody was tape recording it. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember Legion was all over everybody. Now, they didn't know. <laughs> Legion was all over everybody. Cats and dogs living together. You know, Zool and the Keymaster and stuff. Oh, man. I didn't tell them because I didn't want to scare nobody. But Legion was all over everybody, man. And there was this one lady, and, and, and she had the flu, and her mind was full of noise. She could barely stand it. She was crying. She was in pain. Her mind was being tormented. Her body was being tormented. And I was sitting there going, let go of her in the name of Jesus. Let go of her right now in Jesus' name. I was so angry, right? I was trying all that I could to win this battle for her. Yeah, and, yeah. and But he wasn't going because I had something in common with him, so I had no power over him. Remember what Jesus... Yes, yeah, she had something in common with Legion. Yeah, there's a little vague as to what that means, but okay. Is coming, but he's nothing in me that's in common with him, so he has no power over me. The enemy has no power over you when you have nothing in common, but when you do, he has dominion over you. And I was trying to rebuke this spirit off of her. Now I'm going to back that up because I want to point this out. She, she references Jesus here, but only to really talk about herself. Just back it up just a smidge further. Sorry for the redundancy, but I want to point this out. So I had no power over him. Remember what Jesus said, the prince of this world is coming, but he's nothing in me that's in common with him, so he has no power over me. The enemy has no power over you when you have nothing in common, but when you do... Mm, The enemy has no power over you when you have nothing in common. And Jesus doesn't have anything in common. That's why, you know, the demons and stuff couldn't afflict him dominion over you and i was trying to rebuke this spirit off of her and i was commanding leave you stop it you leave her alone in the name of jesus i command you to bow bow and nothing was happening there were people there that were recording me prophesying over all those people and they went home that night and they began to pray back the prophecy so they could hear the words i was speaking over people and when i got to that woman and a couple other people all of a sudden they're listening to the tape and they go what's that noise and they go Oh my gosh, that's pigs grunting. This sounds like a ghost story that you tell at a campfire. You know, I'm just saying, you know, maybe you get like a, you know, clothes hanger, you know, and tell the story about the hook, you know, things like that. Yeah, this is what we call spinning a yarn. Uh, No evidence is provided for any of this. Just her own words, you know. The husband walks in while they're playing this tape. And he walks in. He doesn't know what they're doing. He goes, hey, what's that? Sounds like a bunch of hogs grunting or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I have a bridge I can sell you in New York. Oh, it's a beautiful bridge. You know, Neo Art Deco. It's ugh, one of the best, you know, span bridges out there. It's like amazing. You know, built after the Civil War. Ooh. Yeah, I, I can sell it to you for a song. And there was even a man's voice in the background, and he said this, I've got her bound. Red rum, red rum. And I couldn't do nothing about it. And it was horrible. And I felt powerless. Powerless. And it went on like that for six, seven, eight months, nine months. Why? Oh, yes. A period of time. Lengthy period of time. Battled this beast. And I tell you, he's a beast. Yes, yes. He's a beast. Mm-hmm. But everywhere I went, another tomb, another graveyard of tombstones would come up. 
you see that, that that's weird right there. It's like the ending of Poltergeist or something. You know? And I get healed because I would just do the steps I've been teaching you to get my soul healed. The yeah. blood and the dunamis, the blood and the dunamis, and then I'd go to another. <laughs> the way you get your soul healed, it's the blood and the dunamis, man. Okay. A graveyard, a tombs would come up, and I just do the blood and the dunamis. The blood and the dunamis. And every time I knew I would get the victory because I'd be sick in my physical body one minute. And then all of a sudden, as soon as my soul would get healed, that disease, whatever it was, that bacteria, whatever it was, would instantly die. How, how would you know, you know, the bacterias and stuff and things? How ill were you? Were you in the hospital? Bill, I didn't go to the doctor. I didn't get a prescription. I didn't do anything like that. It would just die. It would leave. Die, die, yeah. Because I would get my soul healed. I have everything in common with that spirit. Yeah, no, notice she's selling product here. The, the name of the product is Legion Slayer. And guess who the Legion Slayer is? Not Jesus. Katie Sousa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, isn't she amazing. Oh, man. We're saved finally because somebody's figured out how to slay Legion. She's the Legion Slayer extraordinaire. And she can teach you, too, how to be a Legion Slayer like she is. You just need to send her a gift of $52 or more. Mm-hmm. I think you get the point. These are all, this is all nonsense. None of this has anything to do with Scripture at all. And unfortunately, um, this is a sample of what passes for Christian television today. This isn't just a YouTube. This is a program that airs on, like, God TV and stuff. So um, if you know anybody who thinks that Katie Sousa is, oh, legit, then she's a real Legion Slayer. No, she's not. She's a real huckster who is selling schlocky products and scratching itching ears and tolling, telling tall tales uh, in order to make you think she is so amazing. Oh, that's right, that Katie Sousa, she's a Legion Slayer. No, actually, Jesus is the Legion Slayer, and... Um, and we didn't really hear anything about Jesus except for her to say that she's just like him now. You know, Jesus doesn't have anything in common with Legion and and so neither does Katie Susan. Now because of that, she she has dominion, dominion over over Legion and all kinds of various diseases and stuff. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. She's going to have to uh, explain all these blasphemies and these exploitive words that she's telling in the name of Jesus, to Jesus, to his face, when he returns in glory, to judge the living and the dead. Pray that she repents prior to that, because it won't go well for her if she doesn't. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you could subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate christian follow me on twitter my name there at pirate christian quick break when we come back we're heading to stairway church as we listen to gary morgan preach about the year of movements don't know what that means we'll be right back gibberish is not one of the gifts of the holy spirit you're listening to fighting for the faith Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. 
Hey, you. Yeah, you, listening to this program right now. Have you ever found yourself wishing there was more Fighting for the Faith content that you could listen to and share with your friends? Well, you're in luck, because we now at Pirate Christian Media have a YouTube channel that we upload content to on a weekly basis. We got programs like Twist Busters, You Don't Have to Be a Cessationist, Messed Up Church, Exclusive Skype Interviews, Pirate Gang Conversations, and our most popular segment, Dumpster Fire. So if you're looking for some extra Pirate Christian Media goodness in your life, head on over to YouTube and search for Fighting for the Faith and subscribe. And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. (laughs) To err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. All right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith sermon review time. Let's do this right. Hey, ho! The good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Stairway Church. We're going to be listening to Gary Morgan and his sermon... On, well, the year of movement. I've already had a few this year. Pretty happy about that. (laughs) All right, let me go ahead and back off on the music. Let's just jump right into it. Here is Gary Morgan and his sermon, The Year of Movement. See if we can sort this thing out. Here we go. I want us, if we can, to, to put our hands on our hearts. Are we going to do the Pledge of Allegiance? That's the first thing I want to know. And I want us to pray this prayer. Say, Father, speak to my heart and change my 
your hands over your heart and say, Father, speak to my heart. Let me back that up. Speak to my heart and change my life. I receive everything that you have for me. I open my heart to be a partaker of a divine inheritance that I step into now. It, what? What is this theology? In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. No, if you were truly a, one of God's people, you wouldn't have said amen to that. Amen. amen. Bless the Lord. Give your neighbor a high five. Yeah, this is the uh, 21st century of the sharing of the peace. You just give your neighbor a high five. Thank you, God. Well, guys, it's so good to be with you this morning. And um, I really really feel this morning, particularly in this environment, that God is, is not just done but doing, but is going to do something significant. I feel like... You feel like God is going to do... Something significant. Hmm. Don't you think with the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ that God has really done something super-de-duper significant? You know, I, in fact, the, the thing is, is that Jesus tells his disciples, you know, at the back end of the Gospel of Luke to go and proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in his name to all nations. I mean... God's done something really significant in in Jesus, and that's the good news we're supposed to be proclaiming. I don't know what this message is. The atmosphere is is pregnant. The atmosphere is charged. The atmosphere... All right. Who impregnated the atmosphere? The atmosphere is conducive to seeing shifts begin to happen, not just in... Oh, come on. Seriously? Why did I pick the sermon? I'm already like gonna melt down. <laughs> the atmosphere is conducive for shifts. It's like every vacuous, charismatic, nonsensical buzz phrase jam packed in the first two minutes of this thing. In our external world, but our internal world. Amen? And I believe that as we begin to posture our hearts, for- begin to posture your heart. What does that mean? For this new year, a lot of times people say to me, Gary, you know, we're believers. We, we live outside of time. Yes, we do. But you, you have people telling you that because they're a believer, they live outside of time. Hey, I'm scratching my head on that one. I, I, I got to hear that one again. For this new year, a lot of times people say to me, Gary, you know, we're believers. We, we live outside of time. Yes. Yeah, people tell you that all the time. Okay, all right. I'm just saying that's probably not true. Yes, we do, but, but we also live in time. No. <laughs> Which is the reason why some people can still be late to work and be saved, you know. Paul says, you know, I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. That has nothing to do with... Ah! Okay, I'm going to lose my mind. So we can't ignore the fact that, that we're, we're in something, but we don't need to be of something. Does that make sense? So I'm in time, but don't need to be of time. 
which biblical text are you supposed to be teaching from right now? And so people say to me, particularly in the prophetic sense, Gary, why do we, why do we focus on these, these sort of moments of new year of, particularly if you, you love a sort of a messianic kind of, um, persuasion is kind of the, the Jewish new year we sort of jump into, or this sort of one being the Gregorian new year, we sort of find this time of like, okay, we, we aim to see what God is wanting to do. And, and a lot of times people say, why do we focus in that place? These are threshold moments. These are, are moments of crossing over. And also... Threshold moments of crossing over. What have we crossed over and what did we exactly get ourselves into? What is this? This guy's not talking about anything. Man. And also scripture, you see, one of probably my favorite scriptures is, is Isaiah 6, where it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And so Isaiah's writing there, this earthly thing happened that enabled a heavenly thing to take place. No, no, no. King Uzziah dying had nothing to do with enabling Isaiah to see the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filling the temple and the seraphim flanking him on either side, you know, with the six wings, two to cover their face, two to cover their feet, two to fly, and then crying out, Kadosh, 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 Yahweh Sabaoth. Yeah, the, the holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts. Yeah, it, 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 King Uzziah did not die in order to make it so that Isaiah could have that. All Isaiah was doing was explaining when that took place in human history. Oh, man. And I truly believe we're stepping right into now, and I'll unpack this in my message this morning, but I really believe we're stepping into a place where, where God is, is doing natural things that are beholding supernatural encounters. You, you believe that. I don't even know what your sentence meant, but you believe that. That God is stepping us into a place where we're beginning to, to realize these events are taking place in an earthly context, but they're not for us to go to fear, they're for us to go to faith. What things? You see, a lot of times, I, I, you, know, you, you, you read the news and you, you watch the news or you listen to the news, and, and boy, it can be pretty depressing. It's like if... Not as depressing as this sermon is, you're just saying... It's like if, if you want to enter Depressionville, just, just turn on the news. But I realize that as I begin to see these things unfold, that there's a higher purpose and there is a higher call that heaven has. And these be Again, what text are you preaching from? It just seems like you're doing stream of consciousness, charismatic buzzword stuff and rolling into particular themes that are prevalent within the charismatic movement, but you're not really discipling us in anything that Christ has said, done, taught, you know, commanded, you know, like not even close. Become prerequisites. These become what I call platforms. These become stages for God to show up. A friend once this said to me, he said, Gary, 
Darkness is a theater for light. Woo! Did you read that on a fortune cookie, or did your friend read that on a fortune cookie? Can I say that again? No. Darkness is a theater for light. When, when, when it gets darker, it means the light's going to get brighter. That even means in the, the darkest of places, even the candle will appear the brightest. Amen? And so it's really an invitation for each and every one of us to step into this purpose of what God has for us. Now, what I'm yeah, I got to step into the purpose of what God has for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a word for this kind of nonsense. This is word salad. Word salad. The, the, what he's saying don't mean nothing. What I'm going to share today really isn't your classic, this is the word for 2019. I believe what I'm going to share today is, is going to set us up into a, into a momentum and emotion that everything... Yeah, this will set you up into a momentum. Yeah. Ooh. And emotion too. Wow. Man, I should have got my prophecy bingo card for this sermon. It can be applicable not just for 2019, but I believe from you. Because I really believe God is wanting us to invite us into decades and not days. What? God wants to invite me into a decade. I'm in a decade. I mean, it's 2019, you know. I've been in this decade for nine years. <laughs> he invited me into it when the, uh, the, the, you know, when the early 2000s, what do you call those? The oddies. When the oddies ended, you know, now we got into the teens, you know. I, you know, and, you know, here's what's going to happen. As soon as this decade's over, I'm going to get in. If I'm still alive, I'll get ushered right into. No invitation necessary. I'll just get ushered right into the 2020s, you know. Yay for me. Because I believe God is a God of movements, not moments. I'm a... <laughs> Woo. I'm glad you think God's... A... Again, word salad, this don't mean nothing. I don't know why he's doing this. Uh, he doesn't know God's word clearly at all. Am I speaking to somebody? No. And so I truly want my life not to be a life of a day. I want my life to be a life of a decade. You know what? <laughs> this is utter not. You want your life to be a life of a decade? Wow. You know, I can beat you on that one, dude. I'm going to have my life be a life of a century. <laughs> so there. Yeah. One of the things that I began to learn, and, and me and Sarah... She's here this time. It's beautiful. Why don't you stand up, honey? She's gorgeous. She's not waiting for a gift at home like last time. And so, <laughs> and so we determined in our hearts and we decided in our hearts that if we were to look at our lives based on days or, or weeks or months, you, you kind of get depressed. But if you begin to look at your life in decades, you're not the person you were 10 years ago. Am I speaking to somebody? You are not in the place. You. This just kind of goes without saying. The job of a pastor is to preach the word. You were 10 years ago. And so when you begin to live your life in a decade, you begin to realize God has the ability to show you the, the phenomenal supernatural storyline of what he has done and what he's continuing to do. Am I speaking to somebody? Amen. And so as we enter into this year, 
I really heard the Lord say to me, Gary, I'm going to begin to turn the tables in 2019. And I said, okay, God, that's great, but you need to unpack that for me. Isn't it amazing? When- so you're not, it, when preaching the word of the Lord, you're not going to actually open a Bible test, uh, text. You're going to claim that God told you to turn the tables in 2019. There you go, folks. Thus saith the Lord, there is the word of the Lord. No, no, this is not the word of the Lord. When God speaks to you this, this sort of phrase, you're like, instead of going, wow, you're like, I've got a clue what that means. How many people have ever got a prophetic word and it's like more question mark than an exclamation mark? Yeah, that's because you didn't really get a prophetic word. And so when he began to speak to me about this turning the tables in 2019, I realized 2017, 2018, maybe for you here today, was a tumultuous year, may have been a triumphant year, may have been... Bittersweet may have been better sweet, but for whatever it is, there's an invitation here this morning that Jesus wants to step into your heart. What? So if you had a bad 2019, don't worry, Jesus wants to step into your heart. Huh? And wants to begin to start turning tables. Oh. You see, though, here's the thing. Um, When Jesus turn tables in the Gospels, that was a bad thing for the people who had their tables turned. Yeah, because those were the money changers. And Jesus, you know, made a cord of, uh, a whip of cords and, you know, just dro- beat them, drove them out of, of the temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. So uh, I feel like your, um, your your prophetic word, which isn't really a prophetic word, is mixing metaphors here, you know. Now, what does that look like? Now, let's make this meeting legal and, and turn to Matthew 21, verse 12 to 17. If you've got your Bibles, who's got their Bibles this morning? People just lift up their phones. Yeah, I saw Facebook, Instagram. No. <laughs> in Matthew 21, 12 to 17, we read the story of Jesus coming in. To the city, he's come in triumphantly, and all of a sudden he, he heads to the temple. And it says in verse 12, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables. So you are aware of the story then. Yeah, those people who had their tables turned. See, that wasn't a positive thing, you know. And the money changers and the, of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now let's stop there. Let's go back to verse 12. You know, it's interesting. You think you're exegeting, right? Trust me, you're not. Just saying. You know, it's interesting. Jesus entered the temple and he began to turn tables. He began to turn tables and he made this statement. He says, my, fa- you, my father's house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Now, one of the things you read in verse 12 is when he entered the temple, what is a temple for? Sacrifice. Temples for worship. Yeah, temp- well, actually, the temple was for sacrifice. There was worship, but yeah. A temple's for worship. A temple's for community. A temple is for heavenly transactions to take place. 
when heavenly transactions what when he entered the temple he realized earthly transactions were taking place i really believe we're entering a season where god wants this temple to start having heavenly transactions not earthly transactions <laughs> this doesn't mean anything that we step into a place where this temple is transacting with heaven and really gets back to the purpose of why it was created am i speaking to somebody no he stepped into that temple and he began to turn the tables now in some scriptures you sort of read it like you know he sort of like he doesn't do this as i said in my last message this isn't finding nemo kind of stuff this is liam nielsen kind of stuff or whatever bruce lee kind of stuff he walks in and he starts turning tables in other translations he says he took his belt and starts whipping things you know the band what would jesus do this is an option <laughs> and so you like he walks into this temple and and starts turning tables because he makes a statement My father's house shall be a house of prayer for all nations but you've made it a den of thieves. You've turned a place for heavenly transactions into earthly transactions. Yeah, those what you just said is not synonymous with what Jesus actually said. And I've come to shift something. But this is what I love, the very next verse. The very next verse, this is what I love. Verse 14 and it says and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. This is what I love when Jesus steps into the temple and literally shifts it back to its original purpose what its original purpose was there to do begins to happen. When he begins to realize this is what my father's house is to be it's to open the eyes of the blind it's to set liberty those that are captive. When Jesus begins to turn the tables all of a sudden that which the original purpose of that place was there for begins to manifest. Friend I want to ask you today what would happen if Jesus walks into the temple of your heart and starts turning tables? The we <sighs> This is very painful. Why? Because Hmm. When we compare what people are saying in the name of God to the word of God, there should be like a minimum level of skill level before somebody should be permitted to actually preach a sermon and what we're hearing doesn't even meet the minimum ride requirement to ride a kitty ride at Knott's Berry Farm in Southern California. Yeah, you got to be this high to ride this ride and this guy doesn't he's not that tall academically or exegetically. It's oh. the we actually shift back to the original purpose of why we were created in the first place. You were not created for earthly transactions, you were created for heavenly transactions. What does that sentence mean? It doesn't mean anything. This is nonsense. that create earthly effects. Yay, I'm created for heavenly transactions. Woot. The blind begin to see. 
the lame began to walk. Why? Because Jesus began to turn tables. And I really believe it's a season where God wants us to open our hearts. It's a Kairos season, man. Open your heart. Let Jesus come in and beat you with a whip. (laughs) And overturn your tables and stuff, man, so that the blind can start seeing again. But God wants to open our lives and, and, and not be afraid of their moments when, when Jesus steps in and begins to speak and say, this is who you call to be. That's what the prophetic does. The prophetic steps in and begins to declare and decree who you really are. Not what- no, it doesn't. You see, because what you're not doing is calling people to repent of their sins and trust in Christ so that they can be forgiven and have eternal life and then bear fruit in keeping with repentance. You got them focused on them. You couldn't even begin to handle like the easiest exegetical story. How do you mess up Jesus going into the temple and driving out the money changers? It's so basic that most second and third grade Sunday school kids could have done a better job than what you're doing. What earth says you are. I'm not speaking to somebody. No. And when these tables begin to be turned, we begin to realize that heavenly transactions begin to take place. You see, he walked into the temple and began to turn tables. Because the temple had been shifted into this space of of transactions, really, that weren't bringing heavenly fruit. It had been shifted into earthly transactions. Yeah, this totally vacuous. It kind of reminds me of of 2 Corinthians 11, 3, where Paul says, How? How can it remind you of that? He's going to answer the question. Let me back it up because I interrupted him, you know. It kind of reminds me of of 2 Corinthians 11, 3, where Paul says, Guys, I fear like Eve was deceived in the garden, so you have been deceived from the simplicity that's in Christ. I really believe 2019 is going to be a year of simplicity. What? What? Okay. 2 Corinthians 11 is Paul's warning, like rebuke for the church in Corinth, listening to the super apostles. And you have to put the word super apostle in parentheses or, you know, in quotation marks because they're, they're not apostles and they're not super. They're very deceived. Second uh, uh, Corinthians 11.1, 1, uh, if you have your Bible, follow along, states, I wish you would bear with me and a little foolishness do bear with me. He's trying to correct them for listening to these so-called super apostles. I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that just as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if somebody comes proclaiming to you another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles, even if I am unskilled in speaking. I'm not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. 
And so he's rebuking them because the super apostles have come along and they're teaching a different Jesus, a different spirit, a different gospel, and they're listening to them. And Paul basically goes on in the chapter to uh, explain kind of what their uh, what their fate is, and you know, basically makes it clear that these people are um, <clears throat> workers of iniquity. Mm-hmm. Here's what he says, uh, verse 12. So what I'm doing, I'm going to continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim in their boasted mission that they work on the same terms as we do, the real apostles. For such men, these false apostles, these uh, super apostles are false apostles. They're deceitful workmen. They disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> their end will correspond to their deeds, Paul warns. So that's what that text is about. Finally, we got something we can do, a little comparing, comparing work. And this guy misses the whole point. Let me back it up so you can hear it again. It kind of reminds me of, of 2 Corinthians eleven three, where Paul says, Guys, I fear like Eve was deceived in the garden, so you have been deceived from the simplicity that's in Christ. I really believe 2019 is going to be a year of simplicity. It's uh, utter nonsense. Utter nonsense. And invoking 2 Corinthians 11 for you to spew this, uh, there's the sin here that you're committing is the sin of blasphemy. Yeah, this is what it sounds like to take God's name in vain. That's what you're doing, sir. It's getting back to who we really are. It's, I love what Lynn shared. Is, you know, guys, we can have all this, but when it comes back to this one place, why were we saved in the first place? I truly believe when we get back to that terra firma, when we get back to that, that Genesis moment of our life, I truly believe we'll begin to see heavenly transactions take place. Am I speaking to somebody this morning? No. But something else happened. Something else happened. This is what I love. In the next verse, verse 15, it says, But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things he did, and the children crying out, everyone say children, Children crying out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. I love that word, indignant. It sort of does something there. Everyone say indignant. They were indignant. You know, it's amazing. When we return to our original purpose, there's an inheritance transaction. There's an inheritance activation that takes place. Because not... An inheritance activation. Which biblical text talks about inheritance activations? Just God does something in us, but he does something to our our inheritance as well. All of a sudden, the children get activated. What? My, My children get activated. What does that mean? Now, did they have Sunday school there? Was there a little Sunday school on the side saying they didn't have to put Jesus on the flanograph? He was right in front of them. How many people remember flanographs? <laughs> I love flanographs. I always wanted to be the one who put Jesus on the flanograph. It's kind of this holy moment. It's about 80% of people in this place are like, what's a flanograph? 
Use your phones and Google it. And so, all of a sudden, Jesus is right there. No one is telling them, hey, that's the son of David. Something supernatural was taking place because all of a sudden now, earthly transactions went out and heavenly transactions came in. All of a sudden, the children became activated, not with the eyes of the earth, but with the eyes of heaven. Am I speaking to somebody? No. When we return to our original purpose, when, when Jesus steps into our heart and begins to turn the tables of our heart, I'll tell you something, our children will get activated. This is, this is so bad. I mean, this is utter gobbledygook. I mean, this, oh man, you might as well like head out to the dairy and grab some of them biscuits on the ground and cook it and eat it. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Heavenly encounters begin to take place. But I'll tell you something, guys, it will wind up the religious. It will wind up the religious. I love winding up the religious. There's something in me that just loves winding up the religious because they become indignant. They become, oh. Children can't be doing that. You know, the disciples did it. Children were coming around Jesus and the disciples are like, they're disturbing church. We can't do that. And Jesus is saying, guys, Put something around your neck and go jump in there. Because they come first. There's something that gets activated in our children when we realize the genesis of our call. Something happens. He's just wandering. Like I said, word salad. He's not saying anything. And he's doing it very well, by the way. He's doing a very good job of not saying anything. It's within our children when we realize the genesis of what he's called us to. Am I speaking to somebody? When we return to our original purpose, eyes are opened, the lame walk, and children begin to have encounters. I like to say it like this. Inheritance is activated. Am I speaking to somebody? No. You know, you know you've lost your passion. Sorry, you know you've lost your purpose when your passion has been replaced by pressure. What? Let me say that again. We know we've lost our... I heard you the first time and it didn't make any sense. Word salad. Let me say that again. We know we've lost our purpose when our passion has been replaced by pressure. Gary, what do you mean by that? What you said had no meaning. Why were the money changers there in the first place? To make money. Because when we lose our focus, when we lose our passion for heavenly business, earthly business replaces it. I'm just going to keep going here. Let me try this side. No. You're not saying anything. When we lose our passion for heavenly business, earthly business replaces it. When we can't transact any longer in a heavenly currency, 
then all of a sudden an earthly currency has to replace it. Am I speaking to somebody? No. You see, it's amazing. In this sort of time, we begin to realize that when, when, when something becomes void of something, it has to be filled. And so when the wonderful works of God were removed from the temple, something had to fill it. Friend, I pray this morning, and I pray this for me, that nothing is empty and nothing is missing from my life that other things have to replace. And am I speaking to somebody? Every one of us, including myself, has, has been through journeys where all of a sudden we realize our passion has been replaced by pressure. Our passion has been replaced by pressure because we're allowing the climate of this world to become greater than the climate of His. And when we posture and position ourselves to realize, actually, God doesn't want us to lose our passion because it's connected to our purpose. Can I say that moment? Why aren't you reading the Bible and actually teaching it correctly? Is it because you don't know how? Is it because you have eyes that do not see, but ears that do not hear? Is it because you are a worker of iniquity, that you are a son of the devil, and that you are a deceiver, and you are... Is that the reason why? You know, I'm just curious. You see, we have to learn to harness the pressure of life to fulfill the purpose of life. How do we harness the pressure of life to handle the purpose of life? It's found in Philippians. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Philippians 4, 6 and 7. This is what it says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. Make your requests known to God. Am I speaking to somebody? No. That's how we begin to deal with it. We realize that we're not anxious for nothing. Deal with what again? You haven't even set up a real problem. But in everything. The interesting thing is we flip it. We're anxious for everything, but we pray for nothing. It's usually our last port of call. I remember once, and I've shared the story you. I'll cut it really short. I remember being so frustrated about something. One day I, I walked, I came in from church. Walk, Could not possibly be more frustrated than I am at this sermon. Walked upstairs. I was like, you know, stamping on the floor, the injustice of this God. And, you know, and I'm, I'm going nuts. And my dad, who's a charismatic atheist, knocks the door. And asks this poignant question, which caused me to become indignant. Have you prayed about it? How did the charismatic atheist have the answer? And so you realize, usually in these moments, that we find ourselves, that God wants us not to be anxious. I love in another scripture, it says this. There's this light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working what? For us. Everyone say for us. A more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This light affliction, which is but for a moment, this is how we harness the pressure of life to fulfill the purpose of life. We realize that what is working, what we feel is working against us is actually working for us. Do you realize that you become the boss of your debt, not the debt become the boss of you? What? 
you realize that you become the boss of what God wants you to do, not that become the boss of you. Am I speaking to somebody? No. And so when we begin to harness this, we begin to find the passion. We begin to find the purpose in the midst of the pressure. We have to find our passion. You see, this is what I find a lot of times is usually what we're good at is not what we love. And sometimes what we love is not what we're good at. And we get in this quandary of trying to... You see, I love singing. I'll just leave it there. But I'm not good at singing. And so this thing of like, God, I'm... I love singing, but I'm not good at singing. That's why I thank God for showers and and houses where everyone's gone out. But sometimes, guys, what we're doing is is we're doing them things we're good at, but we're not doing them things we love. You see, what we're good at sometimes is our purpose, but what we love is our passion. We have to find the balance in 2019, because if we don't find the balance, we become burnt out ones, not burning ones. What? You see, what you're good at will fuel someone else. What you love fuels you. I'm going to speak. No, you're not speaking to anybody. Stop asking. We have to find our passion. And you know, sometimes finding our passion is actually finding us. You know, it's amazing in, in scripture. You know, I always read the, the story of the 99. Jesus leaving the 99 to find the one. How many people have not read that story? Great. See, it was a trick question. I'm just making sure you're awake this morning. I was waiting for the, some of this section to go. Well done, guys. You see, in reading Jesus leaving the 99 to find the one, we throw ourselves into this mission of, oh my gosh, I've got to, I've got to find, I've got to find the one. I'm going to leave the crowd to find the one. Can I suggest to us this morning in 2019, sometimes leaving the 99 is to find yourself. The one is you. To find myself? Doesn't Jesus find me? I'm, you see, this is what happens when you don't actually read out the text. Sometimes leaving the 99 is to find you. Okay. Because we, yeah, Jesus is finding me. Got it. Okay. We throw ourselves into this, this sort of place of, I'm telling you, I realize I can't export what I haven't imported. And I, um, what imports and exports? That's the George Costanza, you know, business model. What does that have to do with what you're saying about Jesus leaving the 99 and going and finding the one that had wandered away, imports, exports, not seeing the connection here. And I can't export what I haven't got. And so sometimes you've just got to say, hey, what is, God, what do we need in this? Am I speaking to somebody? No. I'm not talking about being selfish. I'm not talking about being self-centered. I'm talking about being wise with the resources of your heart. Yeah? No. You see, when we find this place, when we find us, I want to present another narrative this morning in this of 
what happens when Jesus turns the tables. When we find us, this is the state. When we find us, not he finds us, we find us. Statement we make. Oh, but Gary, you don't realize I'm insignificant. Everything, isn't it just insignificant? Everything is just insignificant. Gary, I'm not you. Thank God you're not me. I thank God I'm not you. The great apostle Oscar Wilde said, you know, just be yourself. Everyone else is taken. We realize in this moment that, yes, everything is insignificant. If I could, if I could write a book, this would be the title of my next book. Welcome to your insignificant life. Man, I think I'd be on the bestseller. Welcome to your insignificant life. And I'm going to ask Joel Osteen to to do the forward for me. (laughs) Welcome to your insignificant life. Why? Why, Gary, why would you write a book called Welcome to Your Insignificant Life where everything about the Christian message is about significance? Everything about... Christianity is about having the best possible image you can have. I was going to use a Welsh word there, but I won't for the sake of the audience. But it's not. Jesus never came preaching significance. He came preaching sonship. Um, Sonship, that's a uh, NAR doctrine. Jesus never came and said, guess what? I'm going to promise you all this. He didn't say that. The devil promised him that. What Jesus said is, hey, in this world you're going to have tribulation. Oh, that's a fantastic, fantastic prophetic word, Jesus. Can I get that in Spanish as well? And it's like, but he said this, but I've overcome the world. You see, all throughout Scripture, we find the Bible talks about small or insignificant things. Am I speaking to somebody? No. It talks about small or insignificant things. And this is what happened probably when people looked at the temple and they thought, ah, let's jazz this thing up. Let's, let's actually worship. What's worship? What's prayer? It's so insignificant. We don't need insignificance. Let's actually start buying and selling. Let's, let's start actually doing something with this, this place. I'm telling you something, guys. When we miss purpose because of pressure, passion goes out the window. Not just in us, but in others. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, I mean, could not have done better than this, even in the lotus position. And I love the scripture talks so much about insignificant and small things. We see that it talks about the mustard. Yeah, why don't you, you know, actually open up a biblical text, read it out so we can see what Jesus is talking about or what the Bible is talking about as far as insignificant things. seed. We see that it talks about the ant. We see that it talks about children. As Yeah, but it doesn't just mention them and not explain why it's mentioning them. All you're doing is mentioning ants and B 
bees and bugs and mustard seeds and not actually telling us what the Bible says about those things and why there's significance in what the Bible means regarding those things. Sometimes insignificant things. And and these three things that it talks about, mustard seed, ant, and children, we kind of look and say, but what Jesus says about them is probably the most significant thing we could ever listen to. Am I speaking to somebody? No. As I said last time, sometimes we can miss acorn moments because of oak tree pressures. <laughs> Just, you know, I've seen uh, documentaries on uh, spontaneous human combustion. I fear I may be a candidate for that right now. Sometimes we're always wanting to reach for the, the oak tree encounter but we forget about the acorn beginning. And so I kind of ask this question, how to live or how to life an acorn life in an oak tree world? That's how we say it in Wales. And so how to life an acorn life in an acorn world? It's easy because we have to realize Do we arrive or do we stay in potential? Oh, it's just easy. Just ask yourself the question, do you arrive or do you stay in potential? Huh? Huh? See? Woo! Yeah, that'll just clear everything right up. Agony. I am in agony right now. Do we stay as being planted or do we become agents of life? The cause, journey, and growth to happen in people. Are you an agent of life causing journey to happen in people? I used to listen to the band Journey. I didn't realize that I needed to help facilitate journey happening in somebody. But then again, you know, how's the song go? Don't stop believing. Mm -hmm. Hold on to that feeling. Yeah. Right. You see, this is what I love about God. And this is what I love. And I think in 2019, God wants us to step into this space. The scripture says when a farmer sows a seed, he sows a seed and he leaves and he doesn't return. But he knows that when he does, he'll reap and harvest. Let me use this phrase. The farmer gives the seed over to the unseen. Um, what? And I truly believe in 2019, it's time that we give our life over to the unseen. Because. <laughs> the far- <laughs> what? Oh, this guy is just, like I said, word salad. This, And Jesus is the thing or the person who's gotten lost in the mix here. Because when Jesus in the Great Commission, he says, you know, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching all that I have commanded. Yep. And, and so Jesus never commanded this, this word salad goulash of manure be taught anywhere by anybody, you know, in his church. And uh, this is just agony. Like I said, agony. 
It's time we give our life over to that which we can't see, but have full faith in. That we're able to give our life over to the Lord and say, hey, I can't see this, but Hebrews 11, 1 says, now faith is the substance of things I'm hoping for, the evidence of things not seen. Yeah, those would be specific promises that we do have in Christ. For instance, the forgiveness of your sins. Can't see it. You believe it by faith. Eternal life is given as a gift. Can't see it. You believe it by faith. I'm giving my life over to the unseen. That's how you live an acorn life in an oak tree world. You give it over to... I've never wanted to live an acorn life in an oak tree world. The metaphor doesn't appeal to me at all. It doesn't mean anything. To the unseen. You plant yourself. You allow yourself to be planted in good soil. You, you, don't, you don't float around like a... I, I allow myself to be planted... In good soil, what? Like a, what's that called? A dandelion. That's how we do it in Wales. It's like, what's this mean? That's a dandelion. Exactly. My wife knew exactly what I was talking about. You know, we, we don't become one of these. Turn to your neighbor and, and say, don't be a. No, no, I will not do that. Sorry. Be. Planted. Be planted. Be no, that's quite the application, folks. You need to be planted. Go and go and be planted. Be sown. Am I speaking uh, in a sound? No, you're not. And being sown is not the point here. Read the parable of the you know the soils. The what's being sown is the word of God. Give your life over to the unseen. Because when you give your life over to the unseen, it ain't up to you, it's up to him. The moment, the, the, the moment you stay on the surface of things, it's up to you. When you bury yourself in him, I love what Lynn says, when you die, when you die, it's up to him. Am I speaking to somebody? No. And that's how we live an acorn life in an oak tree world. You'll notice he's not even making the same point he was making at the beginning of this thing. It's choosing to be insignificant because knowing that my insignificance causes significant things to happen. No, it doesn't. Because we live in an upside down kingdom. I realize that the times I feel significant, insignificant things take place. The moment I feel absolutely insignificant, Significant things take place. Am I speaking to somebody? No. And so we realize, Gary, what do you mean stay insignificant? You know, Jesus said the things that are done in, in secret, I will reward openly. Yeah. What does it mean? Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay thirsty. He said, don't be like the Gentiles, full of these words and, and phrases. But when you go aside, you're nothing but full of words and phrases, and all of them are empty words, empty phrases. When you go into your prayer closet and you pray, know my father hears. Am I speaking to somebody? No. I'm telling you, this is the year where we are going to reap from an insignificant harvest. Ah! What? 
on earth. We're going to reap from an insignificant harvest. Unbelievable. This is just wow. I don't think you heard me. This is the year. He, he, he wants an applause line. He wants people to go, woo. He said, I don't think you heard me. Yeah, listen. I don't think you heard me. Yeah. This is the year that we are going to reap from insignificant harvests. The times that you thought that conversation didn't mean something. That time you thought that that seed didn't mean something. The thought that when you sowed that money, when, when you had that conversation, when you welcomed someone in, then, then insignificant things that you thought were insignificant, get ready for significant harvests. Am I speaking to somebody? No. Because God is a God on the insignificant. And, and see, this is the reason why you should not go to a church unless the pastor opens up the scripture and actually preaches and teaches and proclaims it. This is wow. Just look at the mustard seed. Okay, I'm looking at it. The mustard seed. I love the mustard seed. I, I bet you do, yeah. I love the mustard seed. How many people like mustard seeds? They get on my nerves. They're so small. It's like you have to put bifocals on the bifocals. And it's like... It's so insignificant, but Jesus makes this statement. He says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will speak to that mountain, and the mountain will be moved. I love these. I love to be in Sunday school when, you know, again, the flanograph used to go up. No one wanted to put the mustard seed flanograph up. Why? Because it was so flipping small. And so... The mustard seed is so small, but he makes this statement. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will speak to the mountain and it will be moved. I love when Jesus uses analogies. Yeah, yeah, parables and analogies. Yeah, he does a lot of that. I would have liked to have heard a few more in context, you know, maybe from a large piece of one of the Gospels. You know, that's a good way to preach. Because all throughout Scripture, we have to realize, Jesus doesn't just make statements for statement's sake. They're not just pretty little things that we think, wow, that sounded wise. That's why Jesus said it. They all had a connection to something that was happening during his time. They all had cultural significance. Now let me talk to you about the mustard seed. How many people are ready for horticultural Sunday? Yeah? This ain't better homes and gardens, by the way, but let me tell you something about the mustard seed. The mustard seed in Middle Eastern places and during biblical times was one of the most problematic issues that you could find. Which biblical commentary or archaeological academic work claimed that claims that the ancient world had a big problem with mustard seeds. Yeah, I, I want you to hear what he said again. Problematic issues that you could find in a city was mustard seeds. Because a mustard seed could get into the crack of a building, could get into the crack of a mountain, 
and begin to grow. So did the ancient cities have mustard seed eradication teams? I, I just need to know. And as it grew, its root system began to affect and began to cause the foundation or the strength of that very structure to crumble. Powerful mustard. So, so were, were there like kings saying, Thou shalt not have mustard seeds in my kingdom. And when Jesus makes the statement, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, go, and it will go. It's exactly what happened when a mustard seed found itself in a crevice or a crack of a rock. Within certain time, that rock could be moved away because of the strength and the persistence of a mustard seed. Isn't that crazy? Nuts, man. And that's why Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, speak to that mountain and it will be removed. This is what I believe the invitation is. Jesus wants us to get into the cracks of culture and begin to shift some things. Not because, what? because of our size, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. That we think we're insignificant, consider the mosquito. If you think you're insignificant, consider the mosquito. I wish they... Yeah, I, I heard you the first time. They put another part of the gospel where Jesus talked about mosquitoes, but he didn't. Nope, no mosquitoes mentioned by Jesus in any of the four gospels. When you're in a tent, or even when you're in the house, like I've been up since till 2 a.m. in the morning, baptizing my room in mortine, because you lie down and all of a sudden you're the... You, know, you nearly kill your wife because you're just baptized in that room in Morty. And you lie back down and it's like, ah! I became indignant. How can something so small have such an effect? Because a mosquito doesn't try to be anything else. A mosquito doesn't get up in the morning and say, oh, I don't want to be a mosquito today. I, I want to be something else. It does what it was created to do. And when you do what you were created, saved, set apart to do, you will start affecting culture. Mm, yeah, I need to start affecting culture. I had no idea that that was what I was supposed to do. I thought my job was to preach the word, make disciples, baptize, teach, you know, stuff like that. And that's why Jesus wants to step into the temple of your heart and start turning tables because now we're back to this nonsense. Because the pressure of this world has called you to be someone you're not. The pressure of this world has caused you to act ways you should not be acting. No, you sin because you were born dead in trespasses and sins. And you have a sinful nature. Hmm? And he wants you to get back to the... God wants me to be a mosquito. I have no idea. Because you too can keep people up till 2 a.m. in the morning. Am I speaking to somebody? No. When we get back to our original purpose, we realize that we have to start somewhere. My wife quotes this verse a lot, and, or this quote a lot, and, and I love it. A journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not in the Bible. 
I think for too long we're focused on the thousand miles instead of being focused on the one step. You, you preach it, man. I have no idea what you're preaching or why you're even preaching. But hey, you know. It's about beginning. I know this to be true, that a river doesn't make its way because of its power. It makes its way because of its persistency. And in 2019, it's time we become persistent and consistent. Am I speaking to somebody? No. That we begin the journey. You may be sitting here today and you'll be saying, I am going to clue what you're talking about. Exactly, because you're saying nothing. I've never began a journey with Jesus. Friend, to no, that's not why they would say that. Today is that opportunity. That you can start 2019 with the greatest choice that you've ever made. That you choose to make a step. Amen? No. We begin a thousand miles with one step. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 23, it says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Or, or in some versions, as you can see, it says established by the Lord. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. You see, he orders our steps. He doesn't order our jumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's it mean to be righteous and how does one attain that status? It begins with a step. It begins with us allowing Jesus to step into our heart and say, this ain't what I created you for. So I need to have Jesus step into my heart and stop. Which text says that? I'm going to turn some tables. Mm, Yeah, that's bad. I hope he doesn't whip me. Who's ready for Jesus to turn some tables in their hearts? Yeah? That I truly believe 2019 is going to be a year where prayer is such a focus. Uh That we get back to that simplicity of, of prayer. You know, some of the greatest revival, some of the greatest awakenings, some of the greatest moves of God that I see, and I've seen, not sorry, I read about, and have talked to those who have, have witnessed the moves of God, like John and Carol Arnett and, and, and guys in Brownsville. You know, you see. <laughs> yeah, the Toronto and Brownsville. Mm-hmm. Both, both false revivals. See, and you ask the question, but what? What was the key? John and- Deception. That, that was the key to both of those. That, yeah. John and Cal would say this, that we give every morning over to Jesus in prayer. That we mark it with. There's a few other markers, but the solid part is that every morning we give our life over to prayer. Yeah, Carol or not, uh, Mr. Sponge fame, yeah. How many people like revival history? Yeah, I love revival history. If I said to you the word Daniel Nash, who knows who Daniel Nash is? Come on, put your hands up. Uh, two, three, four, five. Beautiful. If I said to you, who's Charles Finney? Put your hand up. Oh, look at that. Wow. Everyone knows who Charles Finney is. You see, Charles Finney was on the platform. Daniel Nash was under the platform. Daniel Nash was, was Charles Finney's intercessor. And Daniel Nash would go into an area and begin to pray and rend the heavens. And he would send, not a text, Not a message. He was sending a telegram on horseback to Charles Finney to say, the heavens are open, come. And Charles Finney would come and thousands would come to Jesus. Why? Because they chose to pray 
before they proclaimed. And I truly believe this house has been seed bedding. This house has been seeding the grounds in prayer of our, of our, you know, our 24 and our one hop nights. This house has been leading the way in, in releasing what truly prayer is to see an awakening and see a revival hit a city. Am I speaking to somebody? No. You see, prayer isn't an event. It's a lifestyle. Okay. Jesus says, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer to all nations. What enables us to go to all nations is a house of prayer. Okay, yeah. None of this, like I said, all of this is just total word salad. This is just nonsense. I'm just going to fast forward this to about the end-ish. Somewhere in there, general vicinity of the end of this thing. Nice. Nice. You see, the language of faith is foolish to some and faithful to the other. Notice the sappy music. That's an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God, the Holy Spirit, is now descended on the audience. And we've been afraid for too long to write the vision because we've been afraid of persecution. Well, get, right, get used to it, my friend. Welcome to the Christian life. Gotta be, can't be afraid to write the vision, man. You've you got to do that. We've been afraid to, to make statements. We've been afraid because we, we thought word of faith is blab it and grab it. No, no. It's not blab it and grab it, name it and claim it. That's not what word of faith is all around. It's about trust. That I trust. That I will partner with the Lord. That He will turn the tables of my heart to who He's really called me to be. And out of that original purpose, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom, and then all these things will be added. You know, I think it's a detriment within the body of Christ is, is we have a theology for, for seeking the kingdom, but we haven't got one when God starts adding all these things. We have a theology for humility, but we haven't got a theology for promotion. What? 2019 is a year where we see it, write it, read it, and run. That we begin. Yeah. So clearly, he uh, quoted Habakkuk two out of context as part of this nonsense that he's spewing here. Begin to partner with the Lord in memorial stones. We begin to partner with the Lord of moments in our life where God did something significant, and they become memories that become movements for others. You know, I thank God in, in Wales, when you go for a walk in the mountains, people leave symbols or stuff on rocks. And, and by looking at that, you realize someone's come here before and they're pointing the way. Friends, sometimes God invites you into a testimony that might seem a test to you, but it becomes a way of life for someone else. Huh? You know, sometimes God wants to heal cancer in you. Not just if God wanted to, he would, you know, if you had it. Just for you, but for someone else. Sometimes God wants to buy you a house, not just for you, but for someone else. Am I speaking to somebody? No. Sometimes God wants to take your business to the next level, not just for you, but for someone else. But friend, it begins with a step. It begins with seeing it. Seeing it, what? 
It begins with transacting with heaven and allowing the Lord to step back into that place, turn the tables so that your transaction with heaven begins. Have you let the Lord step into that temple place to turn the tables and whip you and stuff and get rid of the bad transactions and replace them with the good transactions? If not, you really should do so, yeah. So that your earthly effect begins as well. Am I speaking to somebody? No. To see it, you've got to have your eyes open. And friend, this year, and sorry, last year, you may have found yourself being blinded by disappointment. You may have found yourself being blinded by betrayal. You might have found yourself by being blinded by persecution. Whatever you felt yourself blinded in. Friend, if you feel blind in vision right now, I want you to stand. I want to pray for you. Man, when I was growing up, altar calls involved something about sin, you know. Are you feeling blind in vision? <laughs> because if it's going to start with seeing it, then we've got to have our eyes open. And I'm going to pray over you what Paul prayed over the Ephesians. He said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I believe light is going to flood this place right now. Yeah, and what he just did there, First uh, Corinthians 14, strictly forbids. You cannot speak in church in tongues without an interpreter. And by the way, that wasn't even tongues. That was parcel mouth or gibberish. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you felt yourself blinded in vision... Friends, put your hand on your eyes and let me pray for you. Put your hand on your eyes and he's going to pray for you. Jesus, I thank you right Done, 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 done. Yeah. And so the real Jesus didn't make an actual appearance in preaching or anything other than that. And that was, like I said, total word salad. Man, what has happened to the church? Where did Jesus go? Where did the word of God go? All of this nonsense was just utter gobbledygook. No sin, repentance, forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ crucified, risen, raised from the grave so that we can be forgiven, reconciled to God. So that we would have an inheritance and a hope. All of that's gone for this. This isn't even cotton candy. This is straight up rat poisoning. Good night. So what do you think? Love to get your feedback if you'd like to email me regarding anything that you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith. You can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ's vicarious death on the cross. For all of your sins. Amen.